3: Alright, it's time again. Film study with Ken McKusick and this time, it's been a while, we get to have a fun episode as the Ravens dominated the Miami Dolphins 40-0 to at home on Thursday night. I guess I can no longer say that I hate Thursday night football. Ken McKusick, how are you doing? Did you have a good night last night?
4: Oh wow, it was a lot of fun. I mean, life is good more than I just normally say. It is really great tonight.
3: You know, I'm thinking now the Ravens should wear their all-purple all the time and all games on Thursday nights. Because that was the best game they've played all season, clearly. We take we play all the hum games on Thursday and then play the road games on Sunday.
4: That would be a reasonable solution, right?
3: Uh-huh, I'm fine with whatever it takes to <laughs> yeah. see performances like we saw last night.
4: Yeah, that was, that was a great one. And biggest shutout win in team history. They, they beat the uh Bengals 37 to nothing in the in 2000 in week 4 and that was an unbelievable one-sided hammering that ended up with the with the Bengals really giving up the game much earlier than you'd expect and Corey Dillon walking off the field because he was sick that his
3: offensive line wasn't blocking for him So yeah I mean so it, it's big when a team can shut out and keep the score to to actually zero yeah that's really hard how often that doesn't happen i know we've seen it i feel like we've seen it a good amount this year there was i know there was a shutout last year uh, last week with another team yeah there Uh, were
4: three in fact last sunday so that was i don't know how long it's been in the nfl since they've had three in one weekend but that's very rare and uh yeah the ravens for example have i think it's now 12 shutouts in team history uh, I might be I might be off by one, but that's I, what I believe is the is number. That
3: really, just twelve? Because this yeah. is their second one this year.
4: Yes, that's right. And they've had they've had two on the road, but this was their first at home since they beat the Steelers twenty-seven to nothing and had nine sacks in two thousand and six.
3: So it's been eleven years since they've had a home shutout. Right. So week one, we kind of came out of week one with some excitement for this defense, and then we haven't seen. We haven't seen that. I guess week one, week two, the defense still looked good. Um, then they got blown out from Jacksonville. And then we've seen injuries. We've seen this defense not play well. They became, Going into the game yesterday, I believe they were 31st stopping the run. And suddenly this is the defense that we were expecting this offseason, right? Yeah,
4: I mean, I'd say more so than any other game this year, including the first shutout. It was a truly dominating defensive effort in every way they got turnovers they turned into touchdowns they stopped the run entirely they only allowed three yards per play you know the for the entire game so it's a, it's a truly even and and uh deep defensive effort it wasn't anything that uh that you can find fault with in any way really i can uh, there's only really one player
3: who played a little bit below par i think in this game on the defensive side All right. Um, Well, that's good. I mean, we talked last week and we talked, I guess it was our last episode, we talked about these stages of grief and and how Raven (laughs) fans are going through grief. There's a lot of joy today in Baltimore. That grief quickly goes away when you dominate another team. You know, that's absolutely right. And people are talking playoffs again today.
4: It's kind of of funny. But, you know, the Ravens are in the thick of the playoff hunt at, at four and four. They don't have a tremendously difficult schedule the, the rest of the way. I wouldn't say it's easy because I don't think the Ravens are that good, but it's it's not, you know, a tremendously hard schedule.
3: No, it's 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 a manageable schedule. The bye week uh, years of the bye week not really seeming like a great time And this year. It seems like it's the perfect time for the bye week, a time where they're going to really need it and need mm-hmm. that extra week to get healthy. Um especially when we're waiting to see how much the, the big hit affected Flacco. Right. I mean, that's, I guess that in a lot of ways is the season right there. The
4: game at Tennessee tremendously important because it has huge tiebreaker implications. It's an AFC game. Tennessee is one of the teams that they can end up tied with the Ravens at this point, having lost to Jacksonville, probably would prefer that Jacksonville won their division, even though Jacksonville now looks very tough. Uh, I think that, that game is awfully important. If the Ravens win it, they are back and absolutely in the thick of the hunt. It's going to be a very difficult uphill climb to win this game.
3: Gotcha. Well, there there you go again, bringing up that Jacksonville game. So in this season, the Ravens had a huge victory, 40 to zero yesterday, and just a few weeks ago, they lost 44 to seven. <laughs> that cannot be normal. The emotions of this is driving a Raven fan crazy on both sides of the ledge. How often does this happen for a team?
4: Well, not often. Um, it's only happened nine times in since the merger, so since 1970. And those teams are, are an interesting batch of teams as you look back over them. And they have a lot of common threads that run through Baltimore. But I'm just going to go through a few of them. The two thousand nine Titans had one of each, and I don't know if you remember that team, but that was a team that lost went zero six to start the year, and they thought Vince Young was going to take the team to the playoffs down the stretch, and he almost did. They finished eight and eight. They lost a game, a, team, a game to New England, fifty nine to nothing that year, which is the worst. Uh, might be the worst shutout in league history, or close to it. I know there was a playoff game that ended it in the seventy three to nothing range, if I recall, but. That was that was the last time. Seahawks did it also in two thousand nine. The Chiefs did it in two thousand six. That team went to the playoffs. They lost to the Colts. Then the Colts came and beat us in Baltimore, which really kind of sucked. But uh, anyway, not happy with that Chiefs team. But they they were made the made playoffs despite these extreme win and loss. The two thousand five Packers, bad team, finished four and twelve. But they came to Baltimore and they lost forty eight to three for their big loss. And that game was the first time Aaron Rodgers got on the field in any significant way. He he'd thrown one pass before that game, but he he played and uh, threw 15 passes including two picks in the game against the Ravens that ended up 48-3. So that team did it. The, two, the 2003 49ers uh, also won. one they finished 7 and 9. They also lost to the Ravens 44 to 6 for their big loss that year. The 2002 Jets went 9 and 7, won the AFC East. And their big win actually happened in the playoffs against the Colts, 41-0. Then they lost the next week of the divisional round. The 88 Saints went 10-6. They failed to make the playoffs, but still obviously a pretty good team. And the big one, this is the really big one. The 1970 Cowboys were beaten in Minnesota in Week 5 by a score of 54-13. to 13. And then again, 38 to nothing by the Cardinals on Monday night in Week 9. So they lost two games by these big scores. They also won one against the Oilers, 52-10, obviously, to balance that ledger. But um, they recovered, and they won the NFC Championship and went on to lose to the to Baltimore in Super Bowl five. So uh, I don't think that one big win and one big loss necessarily means you're not a contender. That's the point of all that.
3: Yeah, it also doesn't mean you are, as, as we can <laughs> see from that. Um, yeah. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers during that big loss, getting his first time on the field. Did he then finish the season out? Did he take over that quarterback position after that loss?
4: I'm I'm trying to remember. It was late in the year that they played that game. Both teams were terrible. In fact, the networks were making fun of how bad a game it was. So they had a a little plug for the game, which had Santa Claus picking up a phone. And he goes, oh, who's playing this week? And and then you don't hear what the answer is on the other side. And he goes,
3: oh, well, I guess I can watch it. Man, you would never see the NFL do that again. Yeah. No, they, they, no, they wouldn't I, see it. <laughs> I, I watch TV. They try to make the worst games possible seem like, yes. seem like they're Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, or, or at least that they have some star power
4: that you just have to see. Could this be Barry Sanders' last game? You know, Right, think, but...
3: exactly. Yeah. Um... Um, all right, so the, the game starts, and very early in the game, Ajay runs a 21-yard run, and suddenly I'm like, that's right. The Ravens cannot stop the run. We've seen that before. We've seen this before. Here we are again. But then it doesn't happen again the rest of the game. That's right. He he ends up going like backwards in yardage a lot of times. He he, he did. let's talk about this run defense. Okay. So so Ajayi had, had
4: 12 carries the remainder of the game for two yards. That's really hard to do. And included five times where he's taken down for a loss. So yeah, right on the money with that. Um, the, the run defense was strong on all three levels. And, and that's really important. It's been weak at some level every week. But Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce were outstanding on the defensive line. The edge setters did their job this week. Suggs did a good job. I'd say even Zedaria Smith did a good job. who's was one of the weaker ones um, at not allowing eligible receivers to get them off their spot. So they turned the play in. Joudon also I thought did did quite well. Uh, the secondary made some nice run tackles, and most notably that was Webb and Jefferson. Jefferson had some nice tackles in the open field in this game. Which uh, yeah, I, I was I was sitting next to somebody at the game, and I'm, I'm watching Jefferson's first tackle, and I think it was third and nine, and he stopped him for a three yard gain. I got to actually look at my score sheet here. Uh, yeah, it was on the. S- I'm looking at the wrong place in here. Let's get, the, let's get this right. Yeah, it was third and five, and he took the receiver down for a loss of one in the open field. So just a little swing pass up to the right and took him down. And I, I, I turned to my friend and I go, you know, Lou Gehrig, when he, when he knew he was done, he was sick already, but he, but he hadn't been diagnosed. And, and he could barely move around on the field and whatever. And there's a routine ground ball to first base. He picked it up and he ran to the bag. And his teammates came over and high-fived him. And he knew that he was done right then. He really needed to, to get out of baseball. But that's, that was exactly the kind of response we got to the Jefferson tackle in that case. And Jefferson went on to have a very good game. So that was, that was good news. He's no Lou Gehrig at this point. but
3: No, it was. But you're right. When w- Jefferson has been not performing the way we've expected this season. So again, mm-hmm. just like everything in this game, first failures and you expect the worst thing ever. There you go.
4: Yeah. So anyway, the other thing about this is the Ravens have never, never in their history
3: have they allowed four yards per carry over a full season. That seems and, crazy when there's been some bad teams in Baltimore.
4: Yeah, really. I mean, the early teams even only allowed three point eight ish, and even the 2012 team, which was technically the closest to breaking the rule, uh, they allowed slightly less than four. In fact, they they allowed less than four by the final kneel down in the final meaningless regular season game, got them under the limit. So uh, anyway, they, they, the Ravens have a chance, I think, again, to sneak under four, but it's going to take a great run defense effort the rest of the way. And uh, there's a little way to calculate that. I'd like to just refer people off to the website on Russell Street Report, look at the way to do it. But you basically have a, uh, you, you'll see that it's, it's more difficult to make up ground in this statistic because there's a natural friction that if you have success stopping the run, teams stop doing against you. They're happy to throw 60 times a game. They have to throw 30, 40 or 40 times a game most of the time, but they're happy to throw 60 times a game if you're a bunch of run stopping monsters, because they know that's really not a, a fruitful thing to do. Right.
3: Um, what's the? Do you know what the average is in the NFL? If the Ravens have never allowed four, is that like uh, the
4: average would be north of four probably right now? And let's say I can find that out, and I'll just take a minute to do that while we go on to talk about whatever it is we're going to talk about.
3: Well, I mean, the, the, next, <laughs> the next step is we're going to get into the nerd talk, and we're going to really break down some of these <laughs> players and how they performed because I'm hopeful. I watched the game yesterday. I enjoyed a lot of the players. I thought they were playing really well. I'm hoping you're going to have some good things to say about these players. Um, so let's start out with the defensive line. We always get in okay. deep with the defensive line. I think we're going to go deep with the secondary this time, so let's get started with the defensive line um, and Willie Henry.
4: Okay, let's. I, I want to talk at a, just a higher level for a second that the, the Ravens defensive line usage fluctuates greatly from week to week. So they've been playing these teams that run a lot and using a lot of defensive linemen per snap, plus playing more snaps. But this week they got their snaps down to 64, I think it was, and they got uh, only 1.8 defensive linemen per play because a lot of the time they were in with pass defenses to uh, to stop you know obvious passing down situations. Right. And nobody really was taxed on the defensive line. So nobody played more than 58% of the snaps. Uh, Brandon Williams led the team with 38 of 64. And uh, that was uh, the most. Henry had 36. Pierce had 24. Davis had 15. And, and Wormley had 6. Kafusi was inactive. And Ricard didn't play any defense. So that, that gives you the, the general frameworks. So and nobody was heavily taxed worked out very very well for these players so Willie Henry looked great as a pass rusher 28 pass rush snaps he had three pressures and a quarterback hit as I scored it and if you if you're looking for hope you want you, you want to look at the second half and say how can I really honestly believe that this team could be better Willie Henry is one of those players uh, he, he is a good pass rusher who could improve in that category and because he plays many more of the high leverage downs if he plays well it could have an, a magnified value. So I'm excited about Willie Henry going forward.
3: Well, that, that's that's good. Um, I guess part of, part of what made the defensive line really not get taxed is there were so many three and outs yesterday. They did a really good job of getting off the field. Um, but because, I guess, we could, if someone like Henry is going to get more playing time, it means another guy is going to get less. And we kind of saw that from Michael Pierce. Yeah, Pierce's snaps were reduced in this game, and and it's a little
4: surprising to me because the, the Dolphins have traditionally kind of depended on a Ajayi, and they have a backup quarterback. In fact, Matt Moore is their third-string guy now after the injuries to Tannehill and Cutler. But uh, he he was only for only 24 plays, and the the rush defense was fantastic when he was in nine nine carries for 17 yards. So it's not like he's not doing his job, but they're just not using him as much in passing situations, and they're using fewer defensive line in total. And and they they had a lot of dime situations in fact more dime situations than standard situations in this game that's very unusual but that's the way it was because of the big
3: lead gotcha um brendan williams is back he was back last week but now we kind of saw it seemed like he was full healthy back this week and that seemed to make a big statement and really help with stopping this running game is that true? yeah i mean I,
4: I, his his defensive line is good. I mean, four tackles is really it's high total for an interior defensive lineman. Three of those were for losses. And it still doesn't really give you the whole picture because he was in the backfield creating plays for other players as well. So his play is just extraordinarily uh, important to the Ravens, and uh, he's, a, he's a player they obviously can't afford to lose again.
3: Yeah, and I, I think that could be the the, the big stable part to help turn this defense around. Um, i got to go back to the linebackers and i got to start with my guy who's finally out of the doghouse it looks like. Saw him a yeah. few times yesterday about 10 carries for uh, Tyus Bowser.
4: <laughs> Tyus Bowser had 13 snaps. Uh, they, they did fine with him in 39 yards only so 3 yards per play. He had a really nice PD rushing the passer. It was a good recognition play where he got up at the right time on a short drop where he was blocked knocked the ball away He also had a sack, his second of his career. Uh, It's kind of a cleanup job, but still good. Hey, all sacks are are meaningful. And a real good game out of Tyus, and and I hope we'll see more of him in the future weeks, more than just 13 snaps a game.
3: All right. Um, This is fun as we're going through the guys, because I feel like I can just introduce every guy. Like Zedaria Smith really made his presence known last night. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So Zedaria Smith... Four pressures and 37
4: pass snaps as I scored it. Now, if you looked at edge rushers, that wouldn't be all that good. You, you need to do more, uh, provide more pressure on the quarterback if you're on the edge. But when you're on the interior, you don't have the same kind of opportunities because of a double teams and more of the protections are set up from the middle to not break down. So you, you have it's much harder to get pressure from the inside. Well, Zadarius, because he rushes more than half the time from the inside in fact whenever the ravens are in the dime he's usually a guy who's lined up on the inside meaning there's an edge rusher outside of him then his numbers are, are quite good at four and 37 snaps and uh, he did some other good things he he created some of the pressure on the sacks and quarterback hits that other people had particularly bowser's i believe was a sack created by smith and he also had a shared sack with mosley so good day pass rushing for him and uh Certainly something we
3: hope will continue. Uh, Yeah, and I guess C.J. Mosley, we're going to go with him next. He's been kind of disappointing lately. I think there was a lot of pressure put on C.J. Mosley when he first came up because he was the guy who was supposed to learn from Ray Lewis, take over for Ray Lewis. Mm -hmm. We finally had a game yesterday where C.J. Mosley seemed to take charge. Yeah, well,
4: that was, he, he really did have a fine game. He only had four tackles. It's not, not a big deal since other people were picking up that. But as a pass rusher, what an extraordinary game. So he was in the backfield. He, he got a sack shared with Zadarius Smith. He delivered a quarterback hit when he got to run unblocked. Always nice to get an unblocked rush, go for a quarterback hit, because those are the kind that really put the fear in the quarterback and whatnot. Uh, you don't want to have it happen beyond the line of scrimmage like uh, Kiki uh, Alonzo delivered to Flacco, but the, uh, the ones in the backfield are just fine, and that was, a, that was a good one from Mosley. And he also had a leaping interception on a play where he's rushing the passer. So he he'd actually been blocked by the right guard, and he step, took a step back, pass came his way, leapt up. And he collected the ball, and we, you know how many times do you see it that that the guy rushing the passer is able to deflect the ball? And he's got three courses of action. Sometimes, if he's J.J. Watt and he's working with the jugs gun all the time, he can he can collect that ball, like Mosley did last night. Normally, uh, what will happen is he'll knock it down in a place where nobody can intercept it. And the other the other good one you can have is he'll knock it up in the air, and then there's a good chance the defense will get an interception right. on it. But anyway, Mosley had a, had a very acrobatic-looking interception, and then not only did he do that, he completely eluded everyone else on the field, got the end zone. So, great play there uh, by CJ. And and it's not doesn't make up. It's not a, the kind of pass play in the in the secondary or the second or third level where the Ravens have needed him to play well, and he hasn't always been in the lane this year. But it, it's still a great event, and and to be able to do that and add the you know the Suggs technique to your uh, your uh, repertoire is good.
3: Yeah, this team has been very good this year. If anything they've been good at, it's been the turnovers. Mm-hmm. And that's been a lot of fun. And that seemed to start with the secondary. Um, secondary had a really good game yesterday.
4: Yeah, sure did. Um, just overall, they, the, the team only allowed 3.0 yards per play. So whenever you have a defensive laugher of that magnitude, it's going to be really hard to find anything that didn't work. And you look at anything by package, by pass rush, pretty much everything worked. And so, whether they had four, five, or six defensive backs, they didn't allow more than three point six yards per play on any of those. So you know things are going well when that's the kind of statistics you're looking at. There's just nothing bad to look at. Little yeah. variation. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go, no, you're good. You, There's okay. a variation. There was, yeah, more, there was more time, right? Yeah, there was there's more dimes, so they had 22 dime snaps and only 10 standard snaps, so that's a big difference. And 34 of their snaps, so oh, slightly over half were in the nickel. So uh, that gives you an idea of of, of where they were. But it, it's also the personnel in those packages. They tried something different that they've never that I haven't ever seen before. Anyway, they had a four DB package where Carwettle and Jefferson always made up three quarters of it, and then the fourth was either Smith or Humphrey. And Humphrey is still pl- taking some snaps away from Smith, who's trying to nurse that Achilles on and, on and get through the season. Uh, we'll talk a, bit, a little bit later about what a great year he's having. But then they go to the nickel. And to the standard package, they add Lardarius Webb. Okay, no real com- no real strange thing there. The only thing that was a little odd is that we didn't see Jalen Hill until the very final series of the game. So that was kind of a bummer. I, I was hoping we'd see more of him. But Webb played well and made some good open field tackles in this game. Anyway, so no, no real surprise in either the four or five defensive back alignments. But when they played the dime, they took Webb off the field and added Humphrey and Levine. And that that's, it's, it was a not insignificant a number of total snaps. Sixteen of them, they did that. Five others, they had Webb in as well. So um, it's, it's very strange. You don't often see that. But that's, that's, what that tells me is the Ravens have a lot more good defensive black backs that they'd like to play than they really have spots for. So they're artificially making an extra spot by taking Webb off uh, in that in that position. So it's interesting, and and it's it's good to see players like Levine and Humphrey and uh, Jalen Hill at the end of this game get some get some snaps. But it's uh, it's different. The other thing they did that was different, and I'm sorry, Josh, if you questions you jump in, but um, Webb went to play deep safety for several snaps in this game. Now, they've done that maybe once or twice the whole year so far, but they did it about three or four times in this game. And what that meant was that either Weddle or Jefferson could move up to the line of scrimmage and either blitz the quarterback or cover the tight end or whatever. It's something we've been kind of hoping for for a while. I think it worked, so I think we'll see more of it. Uh, Jefferson in particular had a really nice quarterback hit. Weddle had a really nice pressure. So I think we will see more of that, and it, it, it makes a lot more sense when they have uh, Jalen Hill available.
3: What What do you think, why would Dean Pease suddenly decide to change this? Is it because the other wasn't worked in, and he said, well, how can I gear this better towards the type of talent I have? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. I, mean, I think he
4: said basically Jefferson is really struggling on the back end, and we need to find at least some number of snaps where he can play closer to the line of scrimmage and do some of the the things he can do well: tackle in the open field when there's when there's a relatively small amount of distance to run to the, the receiver, uh, to uh, play the run well as a support player. A lot of a lot of uh, Jared Johnson said he really didn't like the safety fits and the way the the Ravens were setting them up. Well, Jefferson as a player if he's close to the line of scrimmage can can help with that significantly. Weddle is less useful on the front end in terms of. Of being a gap, he knows where to go. It just he's he's not the right size for today's NFL to be to be playing the run heavily. So uh, anyway, I think I think you're exactly right that it was it was pretty much a case of Pease saying we need to get more out of Jefferson. How do we do it? And moving Webb to the back end increases the flexibility of that defense tremendously.
3: All right. Well, it seemed to work. Um, Brendan Carr got the most tackles on the team. Is that because? Yeah. Miami was down so much they were just throwing the ball and and trying to to, to come back. So there was always it was always a cornerback near.
4: Well, they they were certainly throwing more than they were running towards the end of the game. They did run I don't know, it was 19 times on the game. But they uh, they were certainly running more towards the end. And Brandon Carr was the guy who they were picking on. So they, you don't okay. pick on Jimmy Smith, and they and they weren't. Uh, picking on Webb as much but Brandon Carr gave up receptions of 11 14 14 14 and 28 yards so that's quite a bit for one game and he led the tackles and led the team in tackles with 7 that's not a good thing for a cornerback you know it's oftentimes if you have a, a a the weaker corner wide receiver matchup will often end up with a with a fair number of tackles and you don't want to see that you know get anywhere close to double digits i, I don't think Carr played terribly but he did uh, lose one receiver on the 28-yard play where uh, where he turned his back on the play, never turned back to find the ball, and then it was also a declined pass interference. And you might say, well, so what? He caught the ball anyway. Well, the problem is if he hadn't have caught the ball, it would have been a pass interference. That's the problem in general with penalties is that they have option value for the offense. And the, re- the result of this play happened to be a longer game, but you know, if, if pass interference occurs, uh, you, you've, you've already guaranteed the offense at least that much. And so that's, the, that's one of the issues and why I score them so strictly on the offensive line.
3: Okay. Uh, Marlon Humphrey was on the field a, a, lot, a lot. It seemed like a lot more than what we've been seeing. I guess the highlight play for him was one where he got ahead of the receiver and ended up the legs crossed or tripped or something where yeah. uh, a chance for an interception went away. Yeah,
4: that's that. That's the play. It almost looked like the, the the receiver who was trailing him down the left sideline almost pulled his pants down and and got him to fall down. But yeah. he was dragged dragged down from behind. Is that simply right? Clear?
3: And I wasn't sure at, at first. I thought, well, that looks like offensive pass interference. But then I realized I don't know. Whenever there's interference, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know the rules. When they're not touching each other, they're touching each other on every game, every play. Yeah. So I don't know how that stuff works. Right, they have a lot of hand fighting. I mean, there's certain things they look for.
4: The Bears game was exceptionally bad, but the one to look for all the time, Josh, is when they push, when the receiver pushes right, the in push. the opposite direction of his break. Right. Okay, so he breaks the outside, but he pushes the defender the, away. Uh, yeah, the way the I can inside.
3: see that. And and I and pass, defensive pass interference, that's easy. I can see that. Yeah. Um. But this one looked like I couldn't tell if their legs got crossed up or if he just got pushed down. Yeah.
4: Now, I, I think the ball might have landed out of bounds by a couple yards. It, it probably would have been a tough interception, but it was it was a you know it was a good uh, good play by Humphrey, and he was right there with the receivers all day. I mean, just love the aggressiveness he showed. Even he gave up a twenty yard reception for a first down on third down to Stills, I believe it was, and that was by the right sideline. And Marlon really put a heavy hand on him to try and strip that ball, and it was all Stills could do to hold on to it, even though he had the good inside position. So uh, I, I was. I, I, I think Marlon Humphrey is very clearly the real deal, and if we look at next year, I think there's going to be a probably a pretty strong sentiment to, to release Carr and free up that $6 million of salary cap that that would provide. Carr is a, effectively signed to a four-year deal where they'll pay $6 million per year as long as they want him. And he's played pretty well this year, but you've know, you got to find a spot for Humphrey at some point. Right, and you got Jalen Hill back there in the wings as well. Jalen Hill, and, and you know who else is? Maurice Kennedy is going to be coming back in a couple of weeks off off IR. So they're really going to be very well stocked on the back
3: end, and this is the first Ravens team in a long time that you can say that about. That that That's exciting. Plus uh, the guy whose name I'm blanking on who they lost in the preseason. Tavon Young. Uh, Tavon Young. Who yeah, was, he was exciting last year. So it, it, the secondary might be the future of this Ravens team.
4: That's it, that's right. I think so.
3: Um, All right. Did, did we see enough for me to be a little hopeful that Tony Jefferson's going to play up to his contract? I mean, I,
4: I thought he certainly played a lot better in this game. He had two drive-ending plays on the first three drives, and they were good ones. I mean, Julius Thomas was a hell of a player when he was at Denver, but uh, Tony Jefferson took him down in the open field for a loss of one, and, and uh, that was a very exciting play to start the game. Uh, he had a very nice hard QH when he took down more. He, t- he flattened him. And uh, he also had a really nice diving tackle on a jive to undercut him. I like to see that out of, out of safeties in particular, corners less so, but out of safeties in particular, using their, their shoulder pads to go directly at the knee of the running back is something a running back will almost always give himself up on and, uh, and accept, a, accept the tackle.
3: Right. Um, Jimmy Smith, he had a big touchdown. Then he almost had the chance for another touchdown. He had a good game, and uh, he wasn't even on that field as much as normal, right? No,
4: uh, let's see how many how many snaps we get out of Jimmy Smith in this game. We got uh, fifty seven out of Jimmy Smith. So okay, uh, that's a yeah, lot. I was, it looks like it was sixty six snaps. By the way, I, I messed it up earlier when I said sixty four, but that's all right, I guess. Um, so Smith had one interception. Perfect break on an out route. You know, Matt Moore doesn't have the, the quite the arm strength of some of the other quarterbacks in the league. Smith broke on the ball. It was an easy pick six as soon as he had it. He also had a near pick in the end zone, which I think is the other play you're alluding to, Josh. Where yeah, where uh, Weddle ran into him. Weddle <laughs>
3: creamed him. Now, <laughs> so now that was on the slow motion. It looked like the offensive player got his hand in there and really pulled it away. But Weddle came in like he didn't know anyone was there. Yeah, yeah. there was a it was a. A brutal uh, Raven
4: on Raven crime situation there. And uh, Jimmy Smith got up very upset from that play. First of all, he's on the ground, you know, holding his hands like there should be a football here. And then he gets up and he's, he's doing the same thing to Weddle. But uh, I don't think Weddle wanted to hear too much of it. Right. Oh, Jimmy Smith, for this year, by the way, if you don't know, the quarterback rating against for Jimmy Smith is 24.5. That's according to, to, to PFF. Let's put 24.5 in context. First of all, if every pass was thrown incomplete, it'd be 39.6. So he's done better than that. Okay, and that's basically the interceptions. Has not a lot of touchdowns. He's got two picks. Um, There are three guys in the NFL who are closest to him. Are Devon House, Jalen Ramsey, and A.J. Boye. And those three guys are all between 40 and 41.4. So it gives you an idea of just how good 24.5 is. I'll give you one more example historical for a full season. In 2011... Lardarius Webb was the best cornerback in all of football it was close between him and Darrell Rivas but he was a little bit better particularly if you include the playoffs he had eight interceptions oh, okay. that was the most interceptions per game of anybody um, he had no touchdowns allowed and his quarterback rating against that year was 42 so Jimmy Smith at 24.5 through eight games that's really exceptional if if he can continue to be anywhere near that level and I think kind of Fear grows over time. I think that people have seen Carr be beat a little bit on tape recently, although he's got three picks, and they will try and throw more at him than Smith the rest of the year. So Jimmy's got a chance to maintain that. Not twenty-four 24.5, but he's got a chance to finish in the 42 range.
3: That That's great. I, I That's always exciting to, to see a guy uh, years later still be able to perform. Um, speaking of years later performing, Ladarius Webb, is he on the downside of his career well, certainly he's on the back
4: nine. In fact, he's probably on the back three <laughs> if you're talking 18 holes. But you know, maybe he's got one more year left. Uh, it, it'd be interesting to see. He was signed to, I think, a three-year deal. I don't think anybody believes he'll be there for for that entire time. And most of those deals, effectively, you know, you're doing it to spread the the bonus money, so the salary cap hit will be less in that first year. Um, he, he's a He's a valuable player in terms of his flexibility and what he can do for the Ravens on the back end and allow Weddle and Jefferson to do some do some different things. So, um, Still very happy to have him. He's still a useful player. Maybe he should not be playing quite all of the slot corner
3: snaps anymore. All right. Um, either way, all these guys had good games. Was there anyone that had a bad game? You meant that you would actually classify as a bad game? Yeah, Carr is the only one. Uh, You
4: know, had a little bit of a disappointing game, but uh, but other than that, no, I really, I'd say just about everybody had a good game. Uh, Yeah, I I wouldn't get on Davis too much. He did kind of lose the edge, or help lose the edge on the Ajayi's initial twenty-one yard run, but he'd be the only other one. It's generally speaking a very good game.
3: All right. Well, since it's a win, it means we get to do our defensive MVPs of the game. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, That's because we're. Kind of, we're too nice to do the LVPs on on lo- yes. losses. So, um, well, maybe... <laughs> I mean, unless things get really ugly and we need to start calling some guys out, mm-hmm. for now, we'll, I, it's much more fun to celebrate, guys. There you go. So who's your
4: number three, or do you want me to go first? Uh,
3: my number three is the cat in the fourth quarter. Because when the game <laughs> was out of control, the broadcasters <laughs> needed someone to talk about, something to talk about, so it was... How the cat is running. And I, I can the cat al- got more yards than the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> I
4: can always count on you, Josh, to come up with a good one. That's very good. So, C.J. Mosley's my guy, and it's pretty damn good game when somebody who has a pick six and has some pass rush events uh, is your number three star only and not your one or two.
3: All right. Uh, my number two is Jensen, and yes, I know he's an offensive guy, But he tackled Alonzo after Alonzo had the rough hit on Flacco. So for the tackle, I'm giving Jensen my number two MVP for defending the quarterback. Exactly, it's a forty to nothing win. We can have some fun with these.
4: Yes, that's a good one.
3: I'm I, I was happy to see it too. I'm normally.
4: I'm always a little bit on edge with Jensen's uh, the way he will put an elbow into anybody's kidney, Right. but uh, he he has been smart about not getting penalties this game, and I'm, I'm a little bit surprised he wasn't flagged for that. He probably will be fined for it, yeah. even if he's not flagged, but he gained a lot of brownie points both with Bishotti and his teammates for doing it, that's yeah, for sure.
3: Yep. Um, yeah, we'll get into that whole play when we do the offensive talk in a couple of days, mm-hmm. but I am shocked that Harbaugh did not punch uh, Alonzo right in the face.
4: Yeah, he was, was right there. I saw okay.
3: lots of really good self-control by the Raven players during that brawl. <laughs> all
4: right, who's your number two? So my number two guy is Brandon Williams. Controlled the line of scrimmage in this game. Four, four tackles, three for loss. More than that in terms of his
3: impact on the game. Uh, he was the primary reason why the run defense was so good. Sure. Um, yeah, and I mean, all your, all your guys as you're going through the, your defensive stars. these are guys that if they have games like this, it affects the whole team. And, mm-hmm. and really uh, helps out. Uh, my number one is Judon for his suplex move on Landry because that tackle was fun yes much as well. That was that so was very. Nice that's to watch. definitely a Sports Center. Um, if they still do top plays, that's your top play or uh, whatever they used to do on Monday Night Football that they took away because football can't be violent. <laughs> yeah, that's
4: you know the play was. Uh, it was uh, let's see, Zedaria Smith came up and got the secondary yes, hit while Judon had him lifted up, and that was the one that worried me a little bit. I, f- I forget who came up and also kind of just kind of pushed at him a little bit. It wasn't uh, Mosley, but I'm
3: pretty sure this is Zedaria Smith coming in is what saved Landry <laughs> it stopped him from being full suplex to the ground on his on his <laughs> head.
4: Well, anyway, uh, I, I do worry about Zadarius getting a, either a flag for that or a fine. But more importantly, that he that his he doesn't quite have the right filter for not uh, not being nonviolent enough for the game. But right. anyway, good pass rusher. I hope he hope he can do that. My number one of the game, Jimmy Smith, and it's a it's a pretty easy number one in this game. Having a fantastic season, I think he's going to make his first Pro Bowl clearly this year. I think he could be All Pro. Uh, there is a there are a lot of a lot of good young talent, particularly at cornerback in the NFL. But Jimmy Smith is having the year of his career, that's for sure. And hopefully, it doesn't get away from him.
3: No, and when two of two of your three defensive stars score touchdowns, it's a really <clears throat> good game. There you go. So, all right, um, we got just a couple mailbag questions I got for okay. you right here. Um, And since we don't break down the special teams, I'm going to bring in this special teams one right here, which is from Minion Hunter, who says, can someone please tell Tucker he's tipping the snap when he shrugs his shoulder?
4: Have you you noticed this? uh, This is the second person who said something about this. Uh, So I'll give credit to Kyle Barber at uh, at Baltimore Beatdown, pointed out to me in camp. And all I can say is, if, if that's really happening, I mean, it's very difficult to beat the snap and get off the edge. But if it really is happening it's an excellent opportunity for Tucker to try and create an offsides penalty and get 5 yards closer get a first down on a kick at, at some key point by right. shrugging and making the other team jump offsides
3: yeah and so if, if he's doing it it's it's crazy cuz yeah we can look at this week and say oh he got one blocked but he rarely mm-hmm. gets one blocked um, and yeah, that the,
4: that kick looked like it was going to miss to me it looked like it was it was going to be low and maybe 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 it would have made it all the way, but it would have been wide left because okay. it was already well over to the left side of the uh, formation.
3: But it's crazy that if, if people watching the games are seeing that, then of course he knows he's doing it. It's not a tell mm-hmm. that no one in the Ravens under- knows that he's doing this. Right. Right.
4: So, it's, not, it's not. And, and if, if the other team really tried to take advantage of it, I think there's, there's,
3: there'd be a good opportunity for Tucker to create value from it as well. Uh, of course, I like your idea of, of using the shrug to get him off sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, um, at Mal Sweets asks I think I've noticed Judan is taken out on passing downs. His first step seems slow. Uh,
4: I don't know that I've really seen that. Uh, as far as the first step seems slow, uh, possibly. Judan usually plays on the outside on passing downs with. Uh, Zadarius Smith on the inside. So the, the most typical would be Suggs, Judan, and Zadarius Smith. But Judan is playing second most to Suggs in terms of uh, outside linebacker snaps. So uh, I, I haven't really noticed him being taken out uh, particularly much. All
3: right. And then finally, at Josh Soroka is wondering <laughs> how is this defense going to line up against the Titans? Similar game plan? Um,. That's a good question. I, I mean, I think they will try and be effective
4: at stopping the run for starters. Um, but, uh, you know, you have to go from there and, and, and figure out how you fix things. Well, it, I think the most interesting, interesting thing to see is going to be how much do they want to use Webb on the back end again and create opportunistic, aggressive plays, whether it's rushing the passer or whatever. Because I think they're going to need more of that against Marcus Mariota than they did against some of the other quarterbacks they've faced in in recent times. I, I've got a, I've got a couple more questions here. I'm looking at the mailbox oh, okay, that, it, that are worth doing. Rob
3: McDonald at Rob McDonald says during the broadcast, uh, see, I was saving the offensive line for the offensive conversation. Oh, I'm sorry, you're but you, right. We can you get that. to the offensive if you want. No, I, I, think
4: I think you're right. So you've, you've gone through those, and we've got another one that, uh, that may not have made it to here that I got by email that was asking a question about Boyle, so we'll hold off on that as well.
3: All right, yeah, we'll get to those in uh, just a couple of days. But uh, the downside of a Thursday night football is it means that on Sunday there's no Ravens football to watch. So every, you can go on over, get your fill of Ravens football this weekend over at Russell Street Report. And Ken, what do you have for us over there? okay well so we'll have an
4: offensive line report that'll be out probably on Monday and then uh, the podcast will probably be recorded on Monday night assuming it doesn't conflict with Josh's schedule here and then we have a little bit of flexibility this week normally we'd like to get it out you know very early in the week but since there's so much time until the next game we can we can wait a little bit more uh, I am expecting to it for it to be a very fun game to review have not yet reviewed the tape but uh, but looking forward to
3: it all right, I, uh, that'll be fun. And, of course, your defensive write-up is already on over on at RussellStreetReport.com. Uh, you can hear more of me at Section336.com if you've got nothing better to do this weekend and want some more Baltimore sports talk. Nothing better to do? What, what? else is there? Uh, I don't know. I haven't checked the weather yet. Might might be a nice Sunday out. might be a nice okay. day to uh, go to a pumpkin patch or whatever else you do for Halloween.
4: Okay, so there's some sort of forced activity that would be right, right. somebody you know, else's choice.
3: Spend some time with your kids, maybe say hi to the wife. Might be a okay. good Sunday afternoon.
4: Very good. So, All right, also, and, and you're, you're at, at
3: Josh Soroka? Yeah, I'm at, at Josh Soroka. You're at Film Study on Twitter. Send your at questions film in Ravens. to Film, yeah, at film Study Ravens. Send your questions in to hashtag Film Study Mailbag. And here's the big thing you can do this weekend. Head on over to iTunes and give us a little review. Five stars and write that you like the show. It helps us out a lot, as well as tell your friends. That helps as well, too.
4: Yeah, I much appreciate it. There's a lot of talk on Twitter now about the podcast, which I really appreciate. And all I've seen is positive stuff so far. So, guys, really appreciate you listening, and tell
3: a friend. Come on, we, we know the truth about this show. You're the brains, and somehow I, I managed through but that's alright. Keep the Josh, po- keep the positive comments. This is Ken's show. I'm just here. So it, it, Josh,
4: I, the, let's be cool about this here.
3: I, I I'm all I'm all for the haters. It, <laughs> it, it, it's all good. So, I right, Ken, well have a good weekend. Enjoy your Sunday watching other teams play football.
4: All right, you too, Josh. Take it easy.
0: When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now, Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity: Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call one eight hundred Xfinity, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.